Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Welcome to our podcast. For the last few weeks, we've been in a series that we've called Pilgrims in Babylon. That simply reminds us, if we're believers in Christ, that this world is not our home. We are, we are traveling through like sojourners or pilgrims through this Babylon, this fallen, wicked world system. It's not our home. We're on our way home to heaven. Now, today's episode I've entitled Bond of Brothers. Pastor Ed, I think you got that wrong. Isn't it supposed to be Band of Brothers? Well, you may be thinking of the movie about Easy Company, 2nd Battalion, 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division, Screaming Eagles, and they did their initial training and their combat training in Tocoa, Georgia, before they went into World War II in Europe. But I'm not talking about Band of Brothers, although that tells a great true story. I'm talking about a bond of brothers. Now, what do I mean? Shakespeare, in his play, Henry V, had King Henry repeat this line or this paragraph that I'm about to read. It's like a poem. In his play, Henry V, the king addresses his English troops on the eve of battle against the French at Asian court. The English were vastly outnumbered. There was virtually no hope. And this is the speech that was given in the play. This story show the good man teach his son and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed, they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's day. Wow. That phrase, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for today he that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Wow, what a what a inspiring thing to hear quoted to you. And that is where Band of Brothers originated from, the title of the book and the movie. Well, you know, as a Christian, we join a new family when we come to Christ. We join a family with a bond of brothers. What do I mean by that? We have a a bond due to the shared suffering that we go through with Jesus Christ and with fellow Christians. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. Many of you are thinking, but Pastor Ed, 
I'm a believer in Christ and I'm not suffering at all. You know, the Bible promises that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Do you not remember that the Lord himself said that in this world we shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. I'm talking about trouble before the tribulation. Tribulation with a small t before the tribulation that we know is coming to this world. Now, I fiercely and firmly believe, having studied it scripturally, In a scholarly way, I believe fully in the imminent rapture of the church, the bride of Christ, by the Lord Jesus Christ before the tribulation period that he predicted is coming upon the world. And he said it would be the worst time in human history never to even be repeated. It was so bad. That which is coming to this world. But you know, before that time comes, we could go through a time of trouble, of suffering, by being identified with Christ and loyal to our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's no guarantee that even though the rapture may happen a year from now or three months from now or a decade from now, there's no guarantee that you and I will not suffer persecution for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see in the passage we're going to study today from 1 Peter 4, verses 1 through 19. Now get ready for this. We're going to see that it may indeed be God's will for you to suffer. What? Yeah. It's sort of like Goldie Hawn in that movie where she's down on her luck, so she joins the army to turn her life around and it's going pretty bad at, uh, at basic training. And she says, this is not the army I joined. You know, she believed the recruiting ads. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great scene in that movie. You may be saying that same thing right now. Wait a minute. When I, when I became a Christian, I just wanted fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. So I got saved. What, what are you talking about? Suffer. Hey, listen. If you really got saved, then somewhere along the line, hopefully before now, you have realized that when you became a Christian, you put on the the uniform of the army that Satan hates. You put on, in a football metaphor, you put on the jersey of the opposing team as far as Satan's concerned, and I can promise you that to the degree that you are faithful to Christ in this world— you're going to get kneecapped from time to time by Satan and his demonic forces and the people who are directed and energized by them. So go ahead and realize that you need this bond (laughs) of brothers. You need to know what binds us together in shared suffering with Christ. So let's go to 1 Peter 4, verses 1 through 19. And um, what I'm going to do is this time, usually we read all the way through the passage and then come back and comment on it. But what I'm going to do is read some verses, maybe one or two or three or four, and make some comments, and then we'll move on to the other verses. 
So 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 19. Now I am reading from what is called the King James Version of the Bible. It's um, Elizabethan type English, sort of like Shakespeare in that same, uh, same age. You may not have that translation of the Bible. You may have a New American Standard or New International Version or some other translation or version of the Bible. Um, so if you want to follow along exactly, you can go to Bible Gateway and you can get many versions there online. And you can follow along. But you know what? If Even if you don't even have your Bible with you right now, just listen and let's go through this. Verse 1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Now let's break that down. We have to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who was utterly unworthy of ever suffering because he is God in human form and he is sinless. So if anyone should never have suffered, it would be the Lord Jesus Christ. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, that he, has, he had a real, actual body, that baby born that we think about at Christmas time, the baby born to Mary in the manger grew up, and he preached the truth, and he pointed people ultimately to himself as their Savior. Yet he suffered for us in the flesh. Let me just make this real. When those spikes were driven through his wrist, his hands were pierced and his feet were pierced, and that crown of thorns was forced down upon his scalp, it hurt. Not only did he carry the, the spiritual load of sin, but his body even suffered. He suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. We are to have the same way of thinking, the same mindset. And here is what that mindset is. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, this is applied to us because the Lord Jesus Christ did no sin. But when, when this is applied by us, in our living, we begin to realize that the more we stand for Christ and the more we suffer in the flesh, the less appealing sin is to us. I mean, let me put it like this. If you're being shot at in battle, it is amazing how focused you can become. And I'm no expert on that, but those that I've heard speak of it assure us of that, that when people are shooting at you, you become super focused. And that's the same thing here. If we are standing for Christ and it starts costing us in our family or at work, 
or maybe even <laughs> we're put into jail for that at some point. We might not be very far from that. He that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. When, when you live for a higher purpose, things that would have taken you out long ago just don't seem to have that power anymore. Hey, did you see that game yesterday? No, I was busy praying for our country. You see what I'm saying? All right. But verse two says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, that is doing the will of people, what people think they need to be doing, what people want to do, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So we have a, a great um, contradictory opposing situation here. When, when we are not living for God and following the will of God, then we, we're going to be doing what people think is important. So it's the will of Will of people is the will of God. We're going to see this again here in just a minute. Verse three, for the time past of our life, you know, the as long as we've already lived up to this point, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. That is, let's say, let's say you get saved today. You had plenty of time throughout your whole life before getting saved today to have done all the things that people think are important, you know, to, to have followed the, the will or the lust of people. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. This is what, this is what the pagans desire. So we see the will of the Gentiles right here opposed to the will of God. I think that's pretty cool, but he's going to get specific. Now, this is a family podcast, so I'm not going to go into detail on the words used here, but take it from me. You should look up the Greek for these words, and you're going to go like, whoa. So I'll just give some examples in a minute, but let's read the rest of verse 3. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wow. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick, that is the living and the dead, the quick and the dead. All right, now, without, on a family podcast, without going into great detail here, let me put it like this. Let's, let's take a guy or gal before they come to Christ. The odds are that before they come to Christ, depending on where they live in the country and the people they're around and all that kind of stuff. The odds are that they have been involved either in clubbing, I mean like, you know, club hopping, going to clubs, nightclubs, partying, drinking, 
and everything that goes with that and follows that, if you follow my drift there, really bad lifestyles. So somebody's lived that way, then they get saved. You know what? They, they have had plenty of time doing that kind of stuff, the will of the Gentiles. Now they need to get serious about doing the will of God. Um, let's say there's a guy or gal who doesn't live in the suburbs or the you know city-fied life, urban life, but maybe they live out in the country in a more rural setting. Well, it would be like you've had plenty of time before you got saved to go mudding, which there's nothing wrong with mudding. That's a lot of fun. But you know what? I know from watching and listening to people talk that mudding often involves getting uh, falling down drunk and uh, doing meth and all kind of other stuff and everything that goes with that. All right, you get the picture, I'm pretty sure. You probably don't even need to look up that list of words. But if you do, your hair will stand on end. <laughs> it's, it's bad. <laughs> Excuse me. It's really bad. So before we get saved, that characterized our life. When we get saved, things change. We used to do the will of the Gentiles. Now we're all about doing the will of God. Well, Pastor Ed, I feel real pulled a lot of times to do, do the old life, the will of the Gentiles. You need to get with it. You know, I know the perfect solution for you. Here's my prescription. Start taking a stand right now more for Jesus Christ, and you will suffer, and he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Do you see that? So if, if you start getting kneecapped because you're standing for Christ, all of a sudden, all of this other stuff is not going to have the pull over you that it used to. Now, an interesting thing in verse 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. If you want to find out who your true friends are, when you get saved, I tell you what, even before you get saved, if you say, you know, no, nah, I'm not going to club hop anymore, and I'm not going to do the lifestyle anymore, whatever that is. I'm not going to do the things I used to do. Your friends will drop you in a New York minute. When you won't run with them, and, and it upsets them, they're going to do another thing too. They're going to talk trash about you. They're going to talk you down. Uh, they will put you down, what a loser you are, and all of that. And hey, it's great news. You're starting to suffer for Christ. That's going to help you not be enticed to go back to the old life. Now, it says about them in verse 5, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. You know, let them talk because one day, unless they repent, they're going to face Jesus Christ and they will have to give an account which really they can't do and it will be lights out for them. I mean, not that we wish it on them, but God will take care of them if they don't repent. Verse six, for for this cause was the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. You know, these are the walking dead, the people who are going through the motions in this life, living the, the will of the Gentiles out with all of those evil things that I just described, sort of. Um, that's their life. That's what they're characterized by. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus of life was preached also to them that are dead. For for this cause, the gospel 
uh, was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. That is, that will be painful when you confronted with sin, but live according to God in the spirit. The surgeon has to cut you to heal you. You get that. So God confronts people with the sin, the will of the Gentiles, the pagans in their life, and brings them to conviction. That is painful. And yet it is a it is a it brings us to repentance. It is not a sorrow about life, but it is a godly repentance, a conviction that brings us to turn to Christ. That's what happens. If you're a Christian today, somewhere along the line, this happened to you. If you can't ever remember coming under conviction of sin and turning to Christ in repentance and being born again by his spirit, he comes to live in you now. If you can't remember that, you may go to church a lot. You may even be religious, but you may not be saved. And you should, you should be sure that you're saved. In fact, that could be the reason that some of you listening are so drawn back to that old lifestyle, uh, living out the will of the Gentiles, just, just doing your own thing. And I mean, there are no guardrails, you know, no uh, foul lines. You're just all over the place. Your life is a train wreck. You're probably lost. I'm just saying so you better search that out for your own good. Now, verse seven, but the end of all things is at hand. You know, if you've ever wondered like how close are we to the return of Christ? Well, one thing I tell you is for sure true. We're one day closer than we were yesterday. And if you just look around spiritually and prophetically right now, we're like really close, I think, to the last days, if we're not already in them on the very edge, you know, heading in. You need to get serious with Jesus Christ. You don't have any time to play around. And by the way, you don't even know if you're gonna live through this day. A mortician may unlace your shoes tonight. Think about that. You do not know how long you'll live. So you need to repent of your sin and trust Christ. If you're a Christian, you need to be done with lesser things and live for Jesus Christ because you're going to give account to him for your life. Not as a Christian, not for whether you're going to heaven or hell, that is settled when you are born again, but your rewards are dependent on how you live out your Christian life. Really let the Lord live his life through you in this world, rescuing more and more of these pagans from the judgment they are under. You'll be rewarded for that. So it's time to get busy about that. Pastor Ed, why do you do this podcast so I can do what I just said? I'm hoping and trusting, I don't know how many people listen really, but I'm hoping and trusting that the right people listen that are coming to Christ because I take the time to do this podcast. Amen. You're welcome. Now, we're told in verse eight, let's go back to seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So we should be 
really alert and we should be praying more and more. And if you live in America, you probably amen in this all over the place. Our country's in a complete chaotic mess. I don't know if there's going to be martial law and the Insurrection Act or whether the Congress is going to true the election, you know, correct the election fraud that has occurred. Everybody sees it. The whole world sees it. Don't deny it. It's there. How are we going to deal with it? You know, shoveling dirt on it doesn't make it go away. You understand? We're in a terrible position here now. Even if Biden is inaugurated, way over half of the country believes that he cut in line to get it. Do you understand that? Millions of people believe that foreign countries tweaked this election in order to choose our leader for us. That's wrong, and that's frightening. But regardless what you think about it, and whether you don't want to think about it or not, our country is heading in some very difficult directions, and there will be suffering. I don't care which side you're on. Suffering is on the agenda. So you need to get serious, and you need to get ready. So we're told, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity. That is a, an intense love, a God kind of love. Have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. If I really love you with the love of Christ, you can mess up and we all know it. But because of the love of Christ, I don't nail you to the wall. I let love through me help you deal with that and and um, not like hide your sin, but I'm saying it, it, we help restore people is what I'm saying. And we need that and we're gonna need that more and more as times get more difficult. Verse nine, use hospitality one to another. That is be a lover of strangers, help those that need help. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. You, uh, as every man hath received the gift, and I think it's, I looked this up, I believe it's received a gift, or you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit as a Christian. God has given you something that he does through you that you're really good at. It may be um, preaching. It may be showing mercy to people caring for those in need. It may be teaching the word of God, whatever it is. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. You have something that God uses through you that just blesses the body of Christ. Don't hide it, use it. Because that's what we're told here to do. And how are we to use it? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, the multicolored grace of God. Just when we try to catalog all the ways that God gifts us and uses us, God says, you don't even know the half of it. God is so able to bless you with some particular gift that will bless others in the body of Christ. Don't hide it, use it. Verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That is, let him preach or teach the word of God. If any man minister, that is, serve others, 
If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That is, people will say about you if you have a gift of service, I don't understand how you do it. Aren't you tired? Don't you get weary? And the truth is, really, you don't. That's the amazing thing. God empowers you the more you use it. It's just like if people say to me, don't you get tired when you teach or preach the Word of God? Really, I don't. Man, the only time I feel like I'm really alive on planet Earth is when I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And I could do this endlessly because it's God. It's the way He gifted me, and it's what I enjoy doing. So uh, it says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, Peter's going to bring it home right here. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ. Happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. That is, if we, we need to be suffering, but not for doing wrong. Suffer for standing with Christ and with Christians. And he says in verse 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Wow. We've just seen the will of God versus the will of the godless. Choose well, because you will account. Do the will of God. Don't, be, don't let your life be characterized by the old life, and we're just going to use the, the idea of clubbing or mudding. You know, there's many other examples, but um, the whole idea of just you know being a worldling, be done with that. Pastor Steve Gaines, pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, told of the time, even though he'd been raised in church and had made a decision for Christ when he was about seven, he really didn't live for the Lord. He went off to college and it showed. One morning he woke up after a wild party and looked around at the beer cans and 
uh, the people passed out in the rooms and the couches and the just the disaster that the apartment was where he woke up. And he said, the Lord basically asked him, is this what you want? Wow. That brought Pastor Gaines to conviction. And he, whatever he did when he was seven, he gave his life to Christ for real. And Christ took over his life and he's never been the same since then. So if you're still trapped in the old life, ask yourself, is this what you really want? Come to Christ. But we've seen that suffering, shared suffering, is the bond of brothers. That's what binds us together, that shared suffering with one another and with Christ in a cause greater than ourselves. And that may indeed be God's will for you that you suffer. We just saw that repeatedly in this chapter, that it can be the will of God for us to suffer. Now, I know that that does not fit the theologies of many uh, alleged preachers and churches and so forth. I'm staying with the word of God. It can be the will of God for you to suffer. Accept it. Embrace it. Remember, as was said in King Henry V, let me read it again. This story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's day. My friends, it is time for Christians to suffer with Christ as we await the rapture of the church. If you have questions about your spiritual condition, I want you to call 888-537-8720. 888-537-8720. Someone will help you come to Christ or help you learn how to begin to grow in your life with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening today. We'll finish out, I believe, in the next episode next week with 1 Peter, and then we'll probably go right into 2 Peter. Merry Christmas to you. I'm recording this on December 20th, 2020. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a way better year in 2021 than 2020. Share this podcast with others who need it. Amen.